Well, good morning. Welcome to ABC. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, today's a, a kind of a special day for us because we send our students, our middle school and high school students up to Hume. And on campus at ABC this morning, um, we loaded up buses with over 300 people. I think there's 277 students going to Hume Lake for the week. And that, uh, if you know Hume, if you've heard us talk about Hume before, that is a foundational trip for many of our students. A lot of them place their faith in Jesus Christ for the first time at Hume Lake. And it's, it's amazing to see and hear what God does there. And so they're coming back on Saturday, week from today, um, if you happen to be watching this on the 26th. And then a Sunday on July 3rd, that's a week from today, we're doing church at the beach. We are moving ABC Church out to Cayucas. We're going to be north of the pier, and we're going to have uh, all of our students from Hume Lake joining us. Um, Josh McEwen, our student ministries pastor, is going to share a message with us. He's going to talk a little bit about what happened at Hume, talk about the gospel. He's going to talk about um, baptism, what that means. And then we're going to baptize, Lord willing, um, any students that have made a, a commitment um, that want to take that step toward baptism. We're going to do it right there in the beach or in the ocean on the beach. And uh, it's going to be amazing. So I really encourage you um, to come on out July 3rd. The service is at 1045, just north of the pier at Cayucas. We'll have church at 1045. Um, we'll do baptisms right around 1130, 1145. And then we're going to celebrate with a big barbecue lunch immediately following that on the beach. So join us that Sunday. It's going to be amazing. Um, if you're uh, an early riser and uh, you're an on-campus church kind of person, we are having our 8 o'clock service in person on campus at ABC. And then we'll also post the sermon video as well right here. So if for some reason you're out of town, can't make it down to the beach, um, you can still pick up the sermon and get the video that way. Uh, we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 6. We're in our series through the Gospel of Matthew, and we're wrapping up uh, chapter 5, heading into chapter 6, but we're still in this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is still teaching some challenging things. He's still helping design our view of the kingdom of God and helping us understand what the kingdom of God is all about. But I wanted to show you, before I jump in, I want to show you my guitar. Um, if you've been around ABC, this is my this is my Martin guitar. I've played this for years here, more than 10 years. Um, it plays pretty well. I didn't even check if it was tuned. You see that? I haven't tuned it, and it just strums perfectly. Beautiful guitar. So, cool story about this guitar. I actually did not buy that guitar. It was purchased for me. And here's how the story goes. This is like 22 years ago or something. So I'm a high school kid. I'm playing guitar in high school, leading worship for our youth group. And I had this guitar that I kind of scraped some money um, to purchase. And it was a kind of an older, cheaper guitar. Had a hard time staying in tune. Um, had a hard time, uh, you know, getting some of the, um, the intonation correct and just wouldn't work right. And I really believed in my heart that the problem with my guitar skills was my guitar. And that turned out maybe not to be true. But anyway, uh, it became kind of known that Jeff was wanting a new guitar. And so um, I, at one point, uh, was leading worship. Um, and uh, I remember leaving my guitar um, case somewhere off in the, in the youth building or something. And I picked it up, got home. And when I opened up my guitar case, I had this card inside of my guitar case. And here's what the card said. Inside this was a very thick envelope stuffed with cash. And it said, Dear Jeff, God is glorified through your praise and worship. This is a blessing from our provider 
please use it to buy a new guitar. And just like that, Jeff Erke had a Martin guitar that I now have had for over 20 years and have had the privilege of um, continuing to lead others in worship. And it's been an amazing blessing. And this family or individual or whoever it was that wrote that note, I still don't know who it was. They chose to remain anonymous. Um, they did not get any credit for my new guitar because they chose to give like no one was watching. They gave anonymously and I'll never forget it. And that guitar will always stand as a reminder of generosity and sacrifice and the true heart of someone who's uh, a sacrificial giver. And for the rest of my life, ever since that moment, I've been hungry to embrace that same degree of generosity. Because when we experience, when we're the reciprocant of a generous gesture like that, it makes us want to be generous too. And Jesus is talking about generosity. He's talking about giving in this passage. We're going to look at it in just a minute. But um, those people or that person, whoever put this card in my guitar case that day with money, did not receive or likely did not receive their reward on earth. Maybe they just experienced the joy of giving and maybe they saw me with that new guitar and that was a blessing and maybe felt like a reward to them. But in biblical terms, they did not receive their reward on earth. They will receive their reward someday. And God promises that in scripture. But because they chose not to give for the accolade, not to give for the attention, not to give to be celebrated or to draw some sort of kind of uh, earthly attention to themselves, God was honored and he will reward them for their effort someday. We're going to learn to give like no one's watching this morning. Turn with me if you've got your Bible to Matthew chapter 6. And I want to read through this passage and then kind of talk about what's happening here in the flow, what I see Jesus um, kind of flowing into this, this new thought as he's coming out of chapter 5. Um, so if you've got your Bible, uh, follow along. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. If not, we'll put it on the screen here for you. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. It's a beautiful passage, a challenging passage. It's been a staple for me as I think about uh, what giving means, what generosity means, how we're supposed to give, what the heart of Christ is in our giving, in our demonstrating a sacrifice and generosity. This passage, though, shifts away from some of the, the content we were experiencing in the last few weeks where Jesus was saying, you've heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said, but I say. He was addressing these heart issues, right? He was saying, your kingdom, your understanding of the world says this. The law says this, but I say the heart of the law is to go beyond what the actual law says, to go beyond the behavior or just the obedience step and, and evaluate your heart. These are heart issues. And now Jesus shifts and he starts to use a warning kind of language. He says right out of the gate, Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Beware. 
And he's going to say it again and again. He's throwing out these statements. Beware. Be careful. Don't flaunt your religion. Don't show it off. And he'll follow this passage three times by saying, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites. Don't be like the hypocrites, implying that there were some who were demonstrating righteousness before others, but not actually practicing righteousness in secret. You see, Jesus is addressing again the heart issue. This is his kingdom worldview. How we should see the world through the lens of his kingdom. It's a heart issue. It's understanding where our heart is, is actually where our character's being developed. In fact, what he's saying is, you are who you are when no one's looking. He's not so concerned about what everyone is seeing you do, but he's concerned about what you do when no one else is looking. And so he's saying, be careful, take heed, take warning. Don't just practice your righteousness before men, for that's not true righteousness. That's just a demonstration. That's just a fanfare. It's just an attention-getting gesture. I hear Jesus in his tone as he kind of rolls through this sequence here we'll see in the next few weeks. Like he's just saying, you people to the Pharisees, you people give to be seen. You people pray to be heard. You people fast to get attention or to get sympathy. Congratulations if you're doing that. You've received your reward in full. You've gotten all the attention. You've gotten all the commendation that you need. But those who do in secret, but those who do in private, but those who do what they do when no one else is looking, those are the ones who will receive their reward. And I wanna talk about reward as we get a little further into this passage. But let's start by just backing up and asking, what's the method that Jesus is prescribing for us to give? The first thing he's explaining to us is that we need to give away the attention. It's the first point there, give away the attention. Don't give for some sort of status, for some sort of attention, to look better in the eyes of others. Look at verse two, let me read this again. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. It's really interesting just to imagine that mental picture for a second. Imagine the hypocrites sounding the trumpets before they were giving in the streets or the synagogues. I know we don't connect necessarily our modern day culture with the streets and the synagogues of the Jewish rhythm, but just imagine for a minute, you pull up to a corner at the end of an off-ramp coming off the freeway, and there's a man holding a sign that says, anything will help, and you stop your car in the middle of the off-ramp, and you turn on your hazards, and it starts flashing, you back up traffic because no one else can get off the freeway, and you get out a trumpet or a horn and you blow it and you say, everyone stop, pay attention to me. Look at what I'm about to do. I've got not a $1 bill, but a $5 bill. And I'm gonna give this $5 bill to this man who's hungry. And with that $5 bill, he's gonna be able to eat. I want everyone to know that I just fed this man. And then you get back in your car and you turn your flashers off and everyone's like ticked, like what the, what in the world, right? 
Sound no trumpets. I know that's an extreme example and that would be insane if you actually saw someone do that. But I think Jesus is taking it that seriously, saying don't sound the trumpets, don't put your flashers on, don't stop traffic, don't try so hard to get attention because if you do, you've gotten all the reward that you needed. Whether or not people are celebrating you or whether or not they're, uh, they're complimenting you, Sound no trumpet. And I want to just simply say, if you're giving, whether it be to the church or a nonprofit or another organization, a missionary or whatever it might be, if you're giving, if you're donating your money because you think that it will earn you some sort of status or that you might get more attention from from that organization or from those leaders or you might look more favorably in the eyes of others, Can I just simply say stop? Stop giving? That's not the heart of God. That's not what he wants for us. If you feel guilted into giving, if you feel some sort of social pressure or social code, like you have to do this because that's what good people, righteous people do, can you just just stop? That's that's not what the intention is of scripture. People... um, People will say this to me often, and it might surprise you, but uh, they'll often say, well, certainly you know how much money we make because you see our giving records, and so you could assume how much money our family makes. People have, multiple people have said that comment to me. And I usually respond by saying, actually, no, I, I don't. I don't review the giving records, and nor do our other pastors and leaders. We have an amazing administrative team that's discreet, um, that functions in integrity um, and, and with high confidence um, to make sure that your records are tight and sound and tidy and that everything that you invest in the church gets accounted for and that you get a, a donation receipt letter at the end of the year. I don't sit down and look through all of the giving records and go, oh, well, only so-and-so is given this and this person's giving that. Um, there's just no, I have no interest in that. And so if you're giving because you think, well, it's going to you know, be marked some way, I'm going to be noticed in some re- regard, don't do that. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, don't, don't do it to be noticed. Don't do it so that people can see you giving. Give in secret. Give in private. Give away the attention. Don't give to get attention. There's this really harsh story in Acts chapter 5. Oh, a man named Ananias gets kind of caught up in the movement of the church and people are selling what they have and they're bringing it and giving it to the church. And um, he, he gets moved by this and thinks, I want to be a part of this too. And I want to be known for being sacrificial and for giving everything I have and selling my property and giving it all to the church. And so he comes to the church and he gives a little bit of what he had earned from his property. Not all of it, but he told him it was all of it because he wanted to be seen by others as this tremendously sacrificial person. And so he says, yeah, that's all of it. He lied about how much it was and he dropped dead on the spot. And then his wife comes in behind him and they say, is that everything that you guys earned for your property? And she says, same thing, lied about it. Yeah, that's everything. She drops dead. Acts chapter five, you can go read about it, it's crazy. But the point is, if you're giving because you wanna be identified as someone who's generous or sacrificial or part of this movement where everyone's just sharing what they had, then don't do it. That's not the heart of God. Don't do it by sounding the trumpets. Don't do it to get noticed. Give because God is leading you to give. I wanna go out on a limb and 
say that if that's your motive and intention, or if you feel like that's a driving force, God doesn't need your money. I love the verse in Psalm chapter 50 says, but I do not need, this is God speaking, I do not need bulls from your barns or the goats from your pens for all the animals in the forest are mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hills. God doesn't need our money, friends. He's not interested in us just giving because it's gonna somehow prop up or sustain his movement. There's just no reason, there's no intention. God will provide, God will take care of us. Same thing is true for ABC. God will take care of us. God will provide for ABC. We don't need your money if it's simply for an acknowledgement, for a thank you, for an elevated pat on the back. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse six and seven says, but I want it to be a willing gift not one given grudgingly. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Isn't that true? God loves a person. It's most honoring to him when he sees someone that's giving willingly. And giving done in secret in this regard can be a lot of fun. Just giving without anybody noticing. Giving because you want to give. Giving because you want to be honoring to God. You want your Father in heaven who sees what's done in secret to reward you, not the reward of men. But it doesn't always have to be anonymous. In fact, Jesus is quoted in Acts chapter 20 saying, it is more blessed to give than receive. Famous quote from Jesus, right? And it is, right? When you give to somebody rather than just receive from them, it's honoring, it's fun, it's enjoyable. One of my favorite things about Christmas in the last couple of years as our kids get older, is our two oldest kids um, are so excited to give gifts. They think about it for weeks. They save up their money. They plan. They write down lists for each other, for our other kids and for myself and my wife. And they think about what they want to buy. Even this past year, I think both of them, if not um, maybe just one, ordered some very specific things online way ahead of time. And I remember my son just, just eagerly and anxiously waiting, you know, asking me to check tracking all the time. Hey, did it come? Did it come? Did it come? And this package finally comes in the mail. And it's a gift that he had ordered uh, for our, our younger kids. And he's so excited to unwrap it and then go wrap it in a box. And then Christmas morning comes and these kids cannot wait to give each other gifts because they're so excited about what they got for each other. And I tell you what, so warming for this father's heart to see my kids with such joy giving to each other. And I think that's the heart of our father in heaven when he sees his children with such willing joy, giving good gifts to each other, thinking about it, planning it, strategizing it, thinking what people would want to give for the sake of giving, not reluctant, not for the sake of attention, just simple, joyful giving. Give away the attention and allow for God who sees in private to reward you. And then give away the scale. This is in verse three, Jesus says, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. 
This is a tricky concept, but I love the imagery here. I love the idea that this hand isn't even paying attention to what this hand is doing. And whether that be your physical body, your two hands, or even the body of Christ or the family unit that maybe this family member doesn't even know what this family member is doing because we're just so free. Now there's a balance there. There's, there's certainly a, a place for stewardship and planning and communication. And I don't want to overstate that, but there is some very simple concept of just giving without measuring. Give away the scale. Get rid of the scale. Don't weigh the cost of your giving. Throw out the scale. We went to um, uh, the gold country, um, kind of where the gold was discovered in the gold rush up near Colima uh, this past spring for a school field trip. And uh, we were going around to all the different mines and the little historical sites. And one of the things that they said is or during the early days that gold was so plentiful. In fact, they I think there was like hundreds, like in the hundreds of millions of dollars worth of gold found in the first year. And then and then it was like in the billions of dollars of gold, like in the next couple of years. I could be wrong on that, but there's just a lot of gold. Everybody had a lot of gold that's that's there working. And so when you'd go into the store to like buy chickens or eggs or milk or I don't know, whatever you'd buy in the store, um, you would actually allow for the storekeeper to, to take a pinch of gold out of your, your little pouch. And that's how they paid for things. The gold was so plentiful that you say, yeah, just take a couple pinches of my gold um, for that product. And until the gold became scarce, that was a regular way of doing things. They didn't get out of scale and go, okay, well, this is about, you know, this much worth the market price of the gold is this, and they, let's figure it out and measure it. And that certainly came. And, and nowadays we measure everything financially. We're very careful with finances. But imagine a, a spirit in which is like, I don't know, you have a pinch of this and I'll have a pinch of that, you know, that we just sort of give because we know the resources are abundant and in God's economy, all of our resources are so abundant that you just, yeah, take a pinch and then I'll just trade you for some eggs. I think that's the heart of Christ here is that we just don't worry so much about what the left hand is doing. It, it reminded of this woman in Matthew chapter 27 um, where Matthew chapter 26, where Jesus is about to um, go to the crucifixion. He's having a meal with his disciples and she comes in the room and she brings an alabaster jar full of a really expensive perfume worth about a year's wages. And she breaks the jar, anointing Jesus, just completely covering him with this oil. And, and it says in Matthew 26, that the disciples were indignant. They were frustrated. How could you possibly be so careless and waste a year's worth of wages just by dumping oil on Jesus? It was a cavalier, hasty, impulsive moment. And Jesus rebukes them and says, don't, don't give this woman a hard time. For every time the gospel is shared from here, people will talk about what she did because her, her uh, gift was so abundant. Her response was so uncalculated. That's the way we're to give. Don't let your left hand know what your right is doing. I love this line from J.E. McFadden. He says, it's too late to break the alabaster box when Jesus is in his grave. That you could miss opportunity if you're too calculated. But there's a fine line here between generosity and stewardship, right? And I'm not um, necessarily lobbying for a lack of planning 
a lack of responsibility. We got to plan well, right? We've got a budget. That's helpful. That's a good idea. That's a biblical idea. Make a plan. Count, count the cost of your decisions. My goodness, discuss things with your spouse especially. But here's the thing is when you plan well, when you budget well, it creates margin. And margin allows for us to give without letting the left hand know what the right is doing. Because you can't do that if you don't have margin, right? So planning is really important. Stewardship is really important. But I wonder if, if there was enough margin to where when you walked down the street and you saw someone who was hungry and you wanted to help them, that you were able to reach into your pocket and grab whatever bill your hand touched first, whether it be a 10 or a 20, and give it to them without thinking about it or without taking all the money out and counting out how many dollar bills there was first, but to say, you know what, God has blessed me, provided for me, and I've got enough margin just to be able to, I wanna just give freely. I'm not really so concerned with which bill this is as much as the fact that I get to give, I get to provide for somebody this morning because of what God has done for me. I think that's the heart and the spirit of giving like no one's watching. Give away the attention. Give away the scale. My guess is you've probably never made an impulsive one-click donation on a nonprofit site like a LifeWater or World Vision or Compassion or something. Chances are you've probably done an impulsive one-click purchase on Amazon or walmart.com or homedepot.com if you're like me. But I don't know anybody that's like, yeah, I mean, I just, those one-click, you know, things, just impulsive, you know, send these gifts all the time. I just am so guilty of it, you know? It's just my guilty pleasure. Midnight, you know, staying up too late and I just keep giving money away. Not typically a problem. And yet I think that's part of what what Christ is getting at is that we, we could be impulsive with a lot of other things. So why not be a bit more impulsive with our giving? But don't give away the reward. Give away the attention. Give away the scale. But don't give away the reward. And that's the backwards um, sort of conclusion that we don't expect from Jesus in a passage like this. You don't expect scripture to say, give to get something in return. We're often taught or sort of ingrained that you give without expecting anything in return. And that's true, relationally, interpersonally. But listen to what Jesus finishes with. He says in, in verse four, so that your giving may be in secret, so let's do this privately, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. It's done in secret so that you curb the praises of men, but it's done in secret so that our father who sees in secret, it's not secret to him, will give you reward. What Jesus is saying is you're going to get the reward one way or another. You're going to get either a reward from men or a reward from God the father who sees in secret. Who do you want the reward from? I'll take God, my father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, please. Option B. You're going to get the reward one way or another. We don't compromise the reward. The question is, who do we get the reward from? Jesus follows this line, your father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, in verse 4, by saying it again in verse 6, your father who sees in secret will reward you. He's going to say it again in verse 18, your father who sees in secret will reward you because this is a concept that's not limited to giving. It bleeds into prayer life. 
and it bleeds into fasting life, and it bleeds into the way that, that we function in the kingdom of God, that everything done, when our righteousness is practiced in secret, when our righteousness is more about what we do when no one's looking, that's when our Father sees in secret, sees when no one else is looking, and will reward us. So how is he going to reward you? Well, there's a few different ways. One of those rewards is an eternal reward. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks where Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. There's a, a heavenly treasure, an eternal treasure that Jesus is um, alluding to here that our Father will reward us with eternity. In fact, in Revelation 22, talking about the second coming, it says that I am coming, this is Jesus, I am coming soon, bringing my reward. He's bringing that heavenly treasure along with him to just bestow it on us. But there's, there's also a, a reward that's earthly, that although it might be eternal, yes, and that's probably true, and although we could sort of describe the intangible reward of a feeling good, you know, kind of like a joy of giving, you know, I just, it makes me feel good to give, that's, that's probably part of the reward too, but there's this tangible earthly reward that I don't want you to miss, because I think when we read through this, we think, well, certainly we don't give to get, we don't give just to get back, that's not the reason we give because we want to have a cheerful, willing heart. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians. That's true. But listen to what it says in Malachi chapter 3. This is at the very, very end of the Old Testament. This is God charging his people to be faithful with their tithes, with giving of their first fruits. The work that they do, the, the money they earn, given back to God as an offering to him. Listen to what he says. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. He says, bring, let me find it here real quick. He says, bring the full tithes into the storehouses that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Pay close attention to what God is saying here. Bring the offerings, bring the tithes, bring your first fruits into the storehouses of the house of the Lord. That's the temple. Bring them into the temple and see, test me in this. He says, test me and see if I don't provide tenfold, if I don't open the floodgates and just pour on you resources and blessing and replace what you gave. It's the only instance in all of scripture where God says to test him. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Mark it down. Go back to your Bible and highlight it if you have to. Test me in this, he says. Bring your tithes. Bring your offerings. Bring your gifts with a willing and a cheerful heart. Do it in private. Don't do it so that people could see on the street corner. But do it carefully and continue to give without left, letting your, know, your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And see if I don't bless you for it. See if I don't provide for you. See if I don't give you back what you gave to me. It's an amazing promise. And as I think back on the last maybe 10 years of ministry here at ABC, I've never met someone who went hungry by giving to God. I've never met someone who said, you know, I made a conscious decision to give cheerfully and joyfully 
to give sacrificially, to bring to God the first fruits without God taking care of me and providing for me. Sometimes it hurts more than others, right? But God gives back. He continues to provide. This is not a a sort of a, a social abundance gospel. We're not saying that if you do this, you'll have earthly riches. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is God, our Father, who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, will take care of you, will provide for you everything you need. We're gonna get up there just in chapter six in a minute where Jesus is gonna say, don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink or what you're gonna wear. I've got it all taken care of. But give faithfully. Give from a cheerful and a joyful heart. Give without the left hand knowing what the right is doing. Give away the scale. Don't measure. Don't calculate too much. Don't overthink this. Let God take care of it. Give like no one's watching. If you happen to be tuning in, uh, maybe you're Maybe you're new to our church or maybe you're not a part of our church at all and you're just checking things out here at Atascadero Bible Church um, and you're listening on this message. This, uh, when we talk about giving, becomes sort of a family discussion, family meetings, so to speak. If, uh, if you're visiting us online this morning, I, I just want to let you know um, we're glad you're here and that I, I hope you don't feel any obligation I, don't, I hope you don't feel any responsibility to give to the church um, based on what I'm saying this morning. I'm just glad that you're tuning in. Hopefully this message has been helpful. Hopefully this passage uh, maybe has brought to light the way that God views his kids, his children, and the way that he wants for us to act and to behave, and I hope that's helpful. But if you are a, an ABC family member, in other words, if you call ABC your church, and you would say, I am a partner in the work and the ministry of Atascadero Bible Church. I, I hear a real clear call in this passage for us to, to take steps of joyful giving. And, and what I want to say to you is that for those of you who've contributed for years or considering contributing, for those of you who give of your first fruits this tithe offering, those are literal, tangible resources that partner with the work and the ministry of ABC that allow for us to do things like we did last week with our VBS, 400 students on campus here at ABC, telling them about Jesus and continuing to teach them to walk with Jesus and then to send 300 kids up this morning to Hume Lake and have them learn about God and maybe some of them hear the gospel for the first time and then to have baptisms at the beach at Cayucas next weekend and to be able to celebrate the kingdom of God growing right here at ABC. And for those of you that have been a part of a Celebrate Recovery and you've seen true life change and you've seen people surrender over their lives and give up addiction and turn their life around, those are the work and the ministry fruit of ABC that you get to participate and celebrate in. Because it, when you give to ABC, you're partnering with us in, in that work. And yes, that money pays for the utilities to keep the buildings open and the electricity on. And it pays for the insurance to kind of protect the organization. And it pays for our staff to continue running these programs and, and these camps and retreats and, and Bible studies and everything else. And the teaching you know, that, that we do every weekend. All these things contribute to the mission and the work of ABC. But by investing in ABC, you're partnering with us in that work. And that's what God is inviting us into. When he says bring 
the first fruits into the storehouses in Malachi. It's an invitation to partner with him in the work that he's doing in his kingdom. And then for those of you that have given over and above that, that normal tithe offering, for those that have said, you know what, beyond that, I want to contribute to missions or to benevolence, those funds are continuing to produce fruit beyond our four walls. So those that have contributed to our Go Fund, that's our missions fund. We partner with Echo here to help the homeless in Atascadero in the North County. We partner with Loaves and Fishes with, uh, you know, just the food bank in order to help people who are in need. We partner with the Tree of Life Pregnancy, Crisis Pregnancy Center to help those that are um, dealing with a pregnancy. We, we partner with, um, with uh, regional organizations like Mighty Oaks that's working with veterans and with uh, the Freedom Initiative Church that's planting churches using prisoners. You're going to hear more about that next month. Um, There's so many opportunities, so many places God's working where we're looking and watching him work and saying, we want to be a part of that. We want to join in that. And so many of you have partnered with us in that. And you've done it at times anonymously, and you've done it quietly, and you've leaned in and just said, I want God to continue to do the work that he's doing, and I want to be a small part of it. And you get to celebrate those wins with us. You get to celebrate the fruit. And that's the most exciting thing, is that every win we celebrate as a church is a win for you. When you partner with ABC, volunteering, maybe on a Sunday morning or with kids ministry or giving of your first fruits or holding up our church in prayer, ABC's wins are your wins. This is your church. This is your mission. And when we see the victory of baptism, you get to celebrate that. Your win, your reward, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So give like no one's watching and have confidence that God's going to continue to do the work that he set out to do long ago. And by the way, we have a, a team here at ABC that, that's constantly evaluating those funds that's constantly looking at our procedures and our policy. We have a finance board. We call it our deacons, and it's a board that's made up of volunteers, people who are firefighters and contractors and city managers and um, others that are are committed to the stewardship of those funds. And so you can have confidence in that, knowing that God's going to continue doing his work. God's going to continue providing and resourcing the work of his church. It's just a question of whether or not you want to partner with him, whether or not you want to share in those wins. And it's an amazing privilege, I can tell you from personal experience, it's an amazing privilege to get to partner with God in his work. And so we're thankful for those of you that have done that. Um, If you're watching online um, or whether you're listening in the car, um, there's some great easy steps to give in secret. We have a website, go to abcchurch.org. There's a button that says give, and you can give on there, contribute on there, and not have to worry about the anonymity. To just know, yeah, I want to give joyfully. I want to give cheerfully. I want to give to the storehouses and allow for God to return the blessing tenfold to reward me for what's done in secret. As we continue on in this, um, this chapter, next week we're going to look at praying in secret. And then we're going to look at fasting in secret. It's going to become a message about the heart. How is God shaping our heart when no one else is looking? We're starting here today. Give like no one's watching. Let's pray. 
Father, we're thankful for your promise. We're thankful for even the permission that you gave us in Scripture to test you in this, to see if you don't open the floodgates. Lord, we, uh, we confess there's a lot of motivation that's skewed for us. Lord, our motive becomes twisted quickly. Because there's something in us, Lord, that loves attention. There's something in us that wants people to notice. I confess that, Lord. I want to be noticed. I want to be known for how I pray or for how I give or even for how I fast. I want people to think I am righteous. I have a strong, mature faith in Jesus Christ. I want to be known for that. And yet, God, you're urging me, you're calling us to to listen to you in private, to give to you in private, to pray to you in private. Because that's where true character is built. And so I'm leaning in. and Together as a church this morning, we're leaning in and we're asking, God, would you grow, shape, and mold us in the quiet spaces in the private spaces when no one else is watching. And may it start with our giving. And our Father who sees in secret will reward us. And I praise you and thank you for that reward. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Just a quick reminder, um, next Sunday, July 3rd, join us out at the beach, Cayucas. Uh, 1045 uh, for an amazing service, some baptisms, and a barbecue to follow. Have a great Sunday.